good morning, everyone. So uh, Mark's asked me to tell you about my experience of the transfiguration. Um, well, it started like any normal day, if you can call any day with him normal. He'd been teaching us all day, and in the evening we had a big meal together, a few glasses of wine, you know, we were just ready to relax. And they looked at me and said, Peter, that's what he calls me. My name's Simon, but for some reason he calls me Peter. He said, Peter, I'm going to go pray. Come with me. And I thought, oh, no, because I was tired. You know, we had a big meal, a few glasses. I was tired. And the thing is, he loves praying. He'll pray all night if we let him. So I just knew that was what was going to happen. So I said, okay, I'll come with you. And then he turns to James and John. And he says, you two, Thunder Sons, you two come as well. That's another nickname he has for James and John. He calls them Thunder Sons or Sons of Thunder. Now that nickname I do get because I've met their mother. <sighs> she, <laughs> she's intense. One day she went to Jesus and she said, Jesus, I want you, she, she's Jewish, I want you to make, with a bit of Australian maybe, I want you to make two thrones for my sons. Uh, one for John, one for James. Put them on either side of yours. James, Jesus, John, JJJ, it will look great. So, thunder. Anyway, three of us, we follow Jesus up and he leads us up a mountain. And he says, you stay there, I'm going to pray. So he walks off a bit. And I told you, I was tired. My eyes started to close. And just as my eyes are closing, suddenly there's this intense bright light, super bright. And I'm looking and I see it's, it's not a light. It's Jesus. His face is bright white, his, his head, his whole body, his arms, his legs, everything. It's like looking direct at lightning. Only it doesn't hurt my eyes. So as I'm looking at this intense, bright light that is Jesus, I see there are two men with him. And I recognize them. And it's impossible because they should have both been dead for centuries. One of them is Moses. Moses, who led our people. Moses, who gave us our laws. Moses, the one the Pharisees keep talking about. Moses is there talking to Jesus. And next to him is Elijah. Well, I mean, Elijah probably wasn't dead. He went up to heaven in a whirlwind. But Elijah's there, our, one of our greatest prophets. And him and Moses are talking to Jesus, to my Jesus. And they look like they're about to leave. They're talking also about Jesus leaving the world. And I start to think, are they, are they all going? What's going on? And that's when I had my bright idea. At least it seemed like a good idea at the time. Do you ever have that thing where your mouth charges off before your brain has a chance to think? I have that actually all the time, to be honest. And particularly on this occasion, I suddenly said to Jesus, Jesus, I've got a great idea. I'll make three tabernacles. Now, I should explain, we have this feast every now and then where we make these kind of little huts and we go in them for a few days. Um, so I was thinking, I'll make, I said to Jesus, I'll make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, 
and one for Elijah. As I'm saying this, I'm realizing just how crazy this sounds. And then suddenly, there's this cloud appeared. It wasn't like the cloud came down. It was like, it was like the air just revealed this cloud that had been there all the time, this intense cloud. And I felt the presence of God. And I didn't even realize it, but I fell to the ground with my hands covering my eyes, this intense presence. Later, when I look back on it, I realized that was what, like what Moses experienced when he was in the cloud, in the presence of God. I was down on the ground, terrified. And then I heard the voice, the voice that conveyed complete love, but also authority. This was the voice that had said, let there be light, let there be stars. And it was speaking now to me, to us. And the voice said, this is my son who I love. Listen to him. And after that command, I couldn't do anything else. I was listening to Jesus from then on, no problem. And I was terrified. I was down on the ground like this. And then I felt a touch on my shoulder. And I recognized that touch, that reassuring touch, that touch of love. I knew who it was. And I looked up and I could see Jesus looking down at me. And he had that look that he has, that look of love, but also that look that said, Peter, I keep you around for the comedy. I looked up at him and he said, tabernacles? I said, yeah, three of them. Seemed like a good idea at the time. We walked back down the mountain and he said, let's keep this to ourselves for now. So that was what uh, Mark asked me to come and share with you. Is that all right? Okay, thanks for listening to me, Trinity Church. I'll, I'll hand back to Mark. See ya. <laughs> So that was the Apostle Peter, nice of him to drop by. It's funny, isn't it? When you see, you have like a mental image of people when I read the Bible. And when you see them in real life, it's just, they look different, don't they? <laughs> Peter's much better looking than I thought. <laughs> and he reminds me of someone. George Clooney, I think. So. What are we going to talk about this morning? Uh, we're going to look at three stories in quick succession. We'll talk about the transfiguration in a moment. Right after that, there's a story of a man who has a demon-possessed son. We'll look at that briefly. But we're going to start with the third story, which I'm going to read to you. It's the third story in this chapter. They're all in, sequ in sequence. Um, this story really had a big impact on me one day. I was on the bike, cycling from my work in Best, cycling home to Veldhoven. And um, I was cycling along this beautiful route next to a canal, maybe some of you know it, from Best to Veldhoven. Lovely route. And this is going back 15, maybe 20 years. I was listening to the Bible on an audio CD. Now, for the young people, a CD is what we used to listen to. It's like a disc. We used to listen to music it was back when the internet was in black and white, so a very long time ago. And I was listening to this exact chapter. I'm going to read to you the bit that really spoke to me. 
Just after, after these two stories is this bit. While everyone was marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, listen to me and remember what I say. The son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. But they didn't know what he meant. Its significance was hidden from them. So they couldn't understand it and they were afraid to ask him about it. And so I was cycling along my bike, listening to this. It's a great way, by the way, to learn lots of the Bible at once, to listen to great chunks of it. So I was listening to this story and immediately I had a question because I believe, as the Bible says, that every word is inspired by God and every word has a reason. It has a reason to teach us. We can learn from everything. So I was on the bike and I started praying to God. And pro tip, when you're on the bike praying, keep your eyes open, okay? <laughs> Particularly when you're next to a canal. I learned the hard way. No, no, that's, that's English. No, so I was on the bike and I prayed, God, why is this in the Bible? Why does it say specifically the disciples didn't know and were afraid to ask? And the answer came to me, and it was so clear and so obvious and such a, made such a big impact on me that I think it was God speaking to me. It may have been my mind, but I believe it was God. And the answer was, and this has made a big impact on my life, the answer was, God wants us not to be afraid to ask. Not to be afraid to ask. So often when I'm reading the Bible, and I come across a bit and I think, why is that there? What's the message there? I will stop and I'll ask God why it's there. And I had the same experience reading this bit about the transfiguration, which I've just shared, which we've just heard. Because there was that very strange bit where Peter offered to make the tabernacles. Now, I know why, or at least I believe I know why Peter did that. Many theologians have said he wanted to preserve that moment. And so if there were tabernacles and if the three men went to be in the tabernacles, they would stay there. But why is it recorded? Because there are loads of things that Jesus did that his disciples did which are not recorded. Why is that specifically recorded? And so I prayed as I was preparing for today and the answer that I believe God gave me and maybe this applies to many of you as well is this. God wants us to be effective not just busy you see if peter had gone ahead and made those tabernacles he would have been very busy and he would have result the result would have been three completely useless little huts or he could have chosen to be effective and taken the time to do what god said at the end listen to him listen to jesus listen to his son and there have been many times when I've started to dove into action, I thought, no, wait a minute. I should first listen to Jesus. Many times, even when I was preparing for today, and I was going through it all, what I wanted to say to you all, and I would get to this exact bit in my preparation and think, I've done it again. I'm charging through thinking what I want to say and not taking a moment to ask God, but what do you want? to share with the church. So the message is when you 
don't understand where it's reading the Bible or whatever it is, just ask. A small but powerful word. Ask. Ask God. He doesn't want us to be afraid to ask. He wants us to ask when we don't know. But also, I had the impression that it wasn't only about asking God, but also about not being afraid to ask people. I have observed at work that the people who are the ones afraid to ask the stupid questions are often the ones who are the most effective. And so when I heard this on the bike, I thought, I should also not be afraid to ask at work in meetings when I don't understand something. And this has been quite liberating for me. So I want to share a couple of examples with you. One at work and one here in the church. So the work example was many years ago, I was sent by my project lead to attend a meeting with a customer because he couldn't attend it. And he said, listen, Mark, we need to get a clear answer from the customer. Is it yes or no? And so I asked the question, whatever it was, and the customer gave me like 12 paragraphs of waffle in Dutch. So I'm like, whoa, was he saying yes or no? I had no idea. So I said to him, excuse me, maybe it's because of my Dutch, but is this yes or no? He said, it's no. I said, thanks very much. And that was it. So I, was brave, I felt brave enough or emboldened enough to dare to ask. The example of this within the church I can share with you, it's church council, so it's many years ago, everyone's already long time left, so I feel brave enough to share it with you. It, we're gonna have um, um, a service in the afternoon and um, on a Sunday. And so I started to think, but what about Sunday morning? So I asked, are we also gonna have a service on Sunday morning? And in my memory, so it might not be 100% accurate, but in my memory, half the council said at the same time, well, of course we are. At the same time, the other half said, well, of course we're not. And then there was like a moment of silence where, okay, maybe the guy with the stupid questions has hit on something here. So don't be afraid to ask, whether it's asking God, asking people, just ask when you don't know. And also don't be afraid to ask when you have conflicts with people. Fortunately, you might find this hard to believe, but I hardly ever have conflicts at work. <laughs> hardly ever. But a few weeks ago, I had conflicts with two people. This is like never happens. Two separate people within the space of an hour. So many of you probably can identify, you know, nowadays we work a lot from home and we type messages to each other, which is probably the best way to have miscommunications, right? You type something and they type something back and suddenly I'm realizing, wow, this guy's being angry, seems angry. And this happened twice within the same morning. And there are two ways of dealing with this. One is the fun way is you can mind read and be judgmental. And that's great, you know. Why is he doing this? He's a bad person. He's thinking this. Mind reading and judgmental. The other way is you can ask them. So first of all, I had a bit of a rant. Like, oh, these two people are getting on my nerves. But then I thought, wait a minute. I'm meant to be a Christian here. <laughs> Let's see if I can do this the proper way. So I contacted each of them and said, hey, can we have a quick chat? 
and I asked them both, I th uh, what I've seen is you said this, can you explain to me what you were thinking? And then they would say, yes, I meant this, this, and this. I'm like, okay. When I read it, I thought you meant this. And they said, no, 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 fine. What do you think happened to our relationship? Both of them, it was two separate conversations, both of them much better after dealing with it, bringing it out into the open. So when you don't know, ask. When you're in conflict with people, ask, what's going on here? And you can even say something like, please help me understand. I'm not sure what's going on here. Have I misunderstood? Don't be afraid to ask, but also don't be afraid to ask when you need help. Now, in the ideal world, I would only talk in front of you about things that I have mastered well. This is one that is still a challenge for me, as Annalise can attest. I can imagine many of you, when you go out, um, couples, right? You go in a, you're in the car together. This happened to us. We're in a town. We've no idea where we are. We've no idea how to get to the destination. And Annalise says, you know what? Maybe we should stop and ask someone. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, stop and ask someone, like ask for help. No, let's just drive around for another three hours. You can identify with that, right? So maybe this, I mean, like I never read instructions, but actually God does want us to ask for help, not to be afraid to ask. In fact, that's what the middle story is of these three. There's a man whose son is demon-possessed, and I can't imagine what that's like. Now, you can read it for yourselves afterwards, but I'm going to summarize the story. This dad takes his son to the disciples, and I don't know if it's in one big group or if he goes to one and then the next and then the next, but all the disciples say, I'm sorry, I can't help you, which is strange because earlier on in the same chapter, they'd gone out in twos and they were healing people all the time. So I think that explains Jesus' angry reaction because he says, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? I think he's talking then to the disciples who had all the power to drive out the demon. They had the power of Jesus. It was just a demon. They could have driven it out, but they didn't. But Jesus does, and the boy is healed. And I think that message is so that God is saying, don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask for help when you need help. So don't be afraid to ask when you don't know, when you want to ask people or God, when you are in conflict and when you need help. Don't be afraid to ask. So, the meaning of life. I'm going to ask all of you a question in a moment, but before I do that, I need two or three minutes to explain the question. And for that, I need two things. I need two Corinthians and a flip chart. Because when uh, Jan asked me to preach today, I looked at the readings and this one, the 2 Corinthians one, is one that I really wanted to talk about because I've had a mental image of this story for many years, which I wanted to share with you. So 
Let me read it, and then I'll explain. I'll ask you the question. Here's the bit again from 2 Corinthians. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So here's how I visualize that part. To me, it's like God's glory is always shining, shining down at us, obvious to see. For those of us whose hearts are not veiled, and I go for a run in the morning and I hear the birds singing, declaring God's glory. You look up and you see the stars and you realize how massive the universe is, declaring God's glory. God's glory is in when we look at each other. We're all created in God's image. God's glory is everywhere. And so we, whose hearts are unveiled, we're like, I do like Jesus on a hill. We are standing, standing, and we can see God's glory. But there are other people whose hearts are veiled. And they can't see God's glory. I can't draw a veil, so here's how I draw it. It's like they've got an umbrella. And God's glory, they just can't perceive it. So what is our job? Those of us who perceive God's glory, it says it in the text. We if that's God, ask him to what he's thinking, yeah? What he thinks so far. Our job I'll give you a moment. We can focus on one thing at a time, right? I, at least I can. So our job is to perceive and reflect God's glory. That's what the text says. That's our purpose. You know, Jesus said, let your light shine before all men so they can see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. How do we reflect God's glory? Well, just in who we are, since we're created in God's image, but I think also with using the gifts that God has given us. You know, if your gift is hospitality and you welcome people to your house, you're reflecting already part of God's glory as you show people God's love and kindness. Uh, if you're a leader and you inspire confidence and trust, you're reflecting God's glory. Like the worship team this morning are reflecting God's glory in their worship in the, as they lead us. All of us are always reflecting God's glory. So my question to all of you, to you Trinity Church, and this is a question I want you to think about now and over coffee, and when you're at home together. All of you watching at home, think, talk about this. How do you reflect God's glory? How do you personally reflect God's glory? And I would imagine that there'll be as many ways to reflect God's glory as there are people here listening to me. How do you personally reflect God's glory? And if you don't know the answer, well, by now you should know the solution. Ask. 
Thanks, Trinity Church. Have a blessed day. Bye.